Awesome. Well, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, I'm excited to jump in here. Um, but before I do, I, I just want to say something. I, I, first, I just want to say thank you to all of the people that helped uh, bring Bounce Back together. Uh, we were able to do some awesome things yesterday as we just loved on the community. And we just have the privilege of being able to partner with two local elementary schools here. And guys, I just love the fact that, and, and, I, and I quote um, this, is that the superintendent one time said this in the Northwest School District. He said, Elevation Church is welcome in any of my schools. Guys, that's favor. Like, that's favor. Now, we don't have an army big enough yet to hit all these schools. But I just think it's amazing that God has given us that kind of favor. And so yesterday, we were able to just love on two schools in particular, Murphy and Brennanwood. And, and it's just been great. Like, it was just a great day all around. I think you heard Nate talk about how, you know, we had over 500 people. And one of the other data points that I thought was really amazing is that in that grouping, there's like 200 and some kids that received an invitation to come and uh, experience our kids' ministry here at the church. And so, guys, I just love that that's the kind of seeds that we're able to put out there. And I'm just praying, and if you wouldn't mind, pray with me, that some of those seeds find some good soil and that these kids find what they need. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Come on. I just, I, just, I just love it. So thank you again to everybody that helped do that, everybody that supported it, everybody that worked so hard to make it happen. Thank you uh, again. It really does mean a lot. And I love being the pastor of a church that's making a difference in our community, making our di a difference in our nation and in our world. So well done. Give yourself a hand. In Jesus' name, go ahead. It's good. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I want to start here with what we would just call a message series verse. This verse is really the glue for the entire series. And we're currently in a series called Love Expressed. And this series is all about something that's actually very vital. Matter of fact, I would say is the most important thing to God. And it's this idea, this, 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 this concept, it's, it's this action called worship. And so this series is called Love Expressed for a reason. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But, but let me read this passage of scripture so that you kind of have a sense of where we're headed or what this series is about. Listen to this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, you've heard me say this probably if you've been here the last few weeks that that's a lot of all. I mean, that's a lot of all. Because it's all-encompassing, really, is that somehow I'm supposed to love God, and in loving God, I'm supposed to do it in such a way that it's all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. Guys, that's a lot of all. That's, that, that's all-encompassing. So God is not saying, hey, I want half. I want 75%. I want 99.9%. .9%. No, he says, I want all. That's important. Because I think when we think about worship, we have to understand that God has a plan for our lives. And sometimes what happens as human beings, we don't always get this, but we were designed by God to worship. And here's the thing. If we don't worship God, we'll worship something else. And so if we don't locate this worship in the right place, we ultimately will worship something that God never intended us to worship. Could be power, could be money, could be success, could be a person, could be a relationship. I mean, it could be anything. It could be your job. But ultimately, God wants us to worship Him. And so the, the definition that we've been using for this series is simply this. As you think about worship, as you think about what it is, if I asked you what worship was, many of you would say whatever comes to your mind. It may be songs, it may be singing, it may be instruments, it may be dancing. I don't know what comes to your mind. But my heart was, is can we get on the same page as to what worship actually is? And so I came up, well, I didn't come up with this. I found a great definition, a great definition that I think really captures God's heart. And it's simply this, is that worship is love expressed God's way. It's his way, 
He gets to define it, right? That makes sense, right? If, if, if it's worship of him, he gets to define what that looks like, right? And so, so, so it's worship, and it's expressed, and it's done so in a way that God finds pleasing. That makes sense. Now, I know, and, 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 and you've probably experienced this, and I've experienced this in my own life, is that sometimes what happens, though, is I like to define what worship is. You know what I mean? Like, I like the music, or I like the preaching, or I like this guy, or I like that, or I like this thing, or that thing. And so we sometimes orient ourselves around stuff, things, people, that really have nothing to do with what God has already said. And that's a problem. If you, if you know what I mean, that's a problem. And so, so worship is something we express and we do it God's way. And then last week, we talked about something that's absolutely vital for the church or for people who claim to be followers of Jesus to get. And it's simply this idea is that we are empowered by Jesus. Listen to this. We are empowered by Jesus to live and work as priests or, let me say it this way, ministers of the gospel in this world. That's what God has called us to do. Now, you may be like, no, that not, that's not me, but that's what the scripture says. So that's important you know that because God invites us all into something called the priesthood of all believers. And so those have been the last two weeks as we set the tone for today, but I want to zero in a little bit more on this particular idea. And so the big idea for today is that we must love God the way that he desires to be loved. We must love God the way that he desires to be loved. And to love him in the way that he desires to be loved means that we express it how he has defined it. Does that make sense? It's important you get this because this expression thing is really important to understanding what God is all about. Listen to this quote from Zach Neese who wrote a fabulous book on worship called How to Worship a King. And this is what he said. And this is, this is really good. Listen. He says... We cannot expect God to submit his culture to ours. Let that sit there for a second. So in other words, God gets to define what the culture is. He goes on to say this. If there is any hope, I love this. If there's any hope for our civilization, where we live, what we do as, as human beings, if there's any hope for our civilization, we must submit our culture to his do you see that in other words he gets to define it he gets to decide what it is and our job is to do it not redefine it i don't know about you but it seems like human beings like to redefine what god is doing or what it's about, or what worship is, or what it isn't. And, and you know, we did that. that's why we have these conversations all the time. That's why we argue with each other about worship. We have these worship wars all the time because we're trying to define what God has already defined. And so, simple, love expressed, God's way. Now, we'll get into that, and we'll talk a little bit more, but we have to understand that it is not my job to define the culture that God has already defined. It's my job to accept it and submit myself to it. Now, I know that's kind of radical because the truth is we like it our way, don't we? Come on, Burger King told us. Wasn't that Burger King? I forget. Yeah, have it your way. There it is. Have it your way. Well, see, that's not what God does with worship. That's not how he's defined it. It's different than that. So if you were to look up the word expression in the Webster Dictionary, right? Expression. Listen to this. This is the word. The process of making known one's thoughts and feelings. The process of making known one's thoughts and feelings. Now, if you understand that definition, what that means is, is that you have thoughts, you have feelings, right? We all have them, even if we deny them. Even if we're like, no, I don't have any feelings. I don't feel. I don't feel. Even if, even if we don't know, but we have these thoughts and we have these feelings. Well, in order for those thoughts and feelings to be expressions, they have to be what? Made known. There has to be a making known of those thoughts. If I stood here, and I just went like this. Like, 
Like the whole time. You'd be like, what's wrong with him? Now, inside me, I just said a lot. Matter of fact, I had emotions about you guys I can't even share. And feelings. But if I never express them, you'll never know what's on the inside of me. Now, what we do is we play the sovereign card. Well, God is sovereign, so he just knows my thoughts and feelings. That's not how God defines worship. He defines it as an expression. So, so if my thoughts and feelings are never expressed, then I have an issue in terms of how God has defined the culture, right? Because how do you get culture? Like some of you that work in business, you work in education, you work wherever you work. I'm sure that you've heard somebody say, we have a culture around here, right? We have a culture. And, you know, it's a corporate culture. It's a educational culture. It's a Jesus culture. Whatever it is, people have said that, right? Well, how do you get culture? Like, how do you come up with a culture? Well, it's very simple. Is you have to divine, define and identify what you value. If you value it, that's one thing. If you put it into play as a value, that's another thing. You will never have a culture if you never put into play the values that you say you have. Make sense? So we all have been in environments where somebody is divining the values and helping us see that if we don't apply those values, we'll never have the culture that we want to have as a group. Can you imagine if there weren't any values being defined? Can you imagine the kind of disunity we'd have? Well, that's kind of curious when you think about worship. Because I think sometimes we get at each other about worship because we're trying to define the value. We're actually trying to define it. And God's like, I don't need you to define what I've already defined. I need you to do what I told you to do. Does that make sense? Like, we, if we will simply apply the identified value, we will create a culture that God has already told us what it is. And we will live that out. And we will be worshiping him, not how I want to be worshipped, but how he wants to be worshipped. Because last time I checked, worship is about him and not me. It's about him. Woo, come on. That's good stuff. Challenging stuff, isn't it? Because I think sometimes what happens is we try to do it, and we have to understand that God wants us to do it his way and express it his way. Did you know that 70%, some say, 70% of communication is body language? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever received a text or an email from somebody that didn't have any body language attached to it? And you read it, and you were like, oh, I know you didn't. <laughs> yes? Yeah. You've had that moment. And you were so angry. I can't believe that person would send this to me. And you're so angry, you call them, and you say, hey, what's your problem, dude? Or do that? What's your problem? And they're like, hey, bro, relax. That's not what I meant. I was just informing you of something. You, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody, you know, you probably had this happen. And you know what the problem was? It was that you couldn't see their face. You couldn't experience their body language as they were doing it. This is important. See, God is interested in us expressing ourselves. And so it's not that he doesn't already know. It's that he's trying to get you to do it his way out of obedience. And at the same time, he's trying to help you live a life that he wants you to live by doing it and connecting with him in the way that he's defined it. And you'll experience the life that he wants you to experience. But you've got to do it his way. He's the burger maker. <laughs> if you make sense. If we use the same illustration of Burger King... He's the one that gets to define what it is. It's his way. But what happens is we start to try and define it. Can you imagine? If I, if I sent you a text, Pastor Daniel sends you this text. I hate you. 
Some of you would lose it. I mean, you would be so angry with me. You would probably never come back to church. Some of you would be like, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, some of you would be in the corner sucking your thumb in the fetal position. You would be accusing me of spiritual abuse. I hate you, right? Now, I get it. If I texted you that, I could understand why you felt that way. But now let me give you a context. So I'm hanging out with the boys. And one of my boys gets one up on me, does something stupid, gets one up on me, right? And I say, I hate you. Now, I know for all the people, the parents in the room, they're mad at me because I even use the word hate in sermon. I get it. We don't say hate. I know. I'm trying to make a point. Stay with me. But if I said to my boy, I hate you. Now, he's going to receive that differently. He's going to be like, ah, I <laughs> got him good. Yeah, right? He's going to have this moment. And he's going to know, based on my body language, my tone, my facial expressions, as to whether or not I'm serious. But if he gets one up on me and I say, I hate you! Whoa, looks like Pastor Daniel's serious. <laughs> right? But you would see it on my face. You'd experience it in my body language. See, what God wants from us is to express the body language. He wants to is, is express our feelings. He wants us to express our thoughts. He doesn't want us to just sit on them. He doesn't want us to just send him an email. He doesn't want us to send him a text. He wants us to actually get out there with our bodies and our voices and our minds and our hearts and express it to him. See, that's what love expressed God's way means. That's worship. Do you see what I'm getting at, guys? See, this is important. We got to get this. And so actions really do speak louder than words, don't they? And that's what God is trying to help us see. Now, this particular writer, his name is Don McMinn, and he said this. Listen to this. He says, our entire body, listen to this, our entire body and being is fashioned as an instrument of praise. I don't know if you know that about yourself. In other words, God created you to express love to him his way, and he did that before you were even born. That's powerful, that he's fashioned you as an instrument of praise. And then listen, he goes on to say this, and this is what you got to get. He says, when we use body language to express praise, watch this, that which is internal becomes visible. Get this. So if it's inside of you, what he's saying is when we learn to express it with our bodies, our minds, our spirits, all of that, it goes from inside us to outside of us and it becomes visual to the world around us you see what i'm getting at this is so important that we understand that god had no interest in you just keeping it on the inside he wants you to get it on the outside he wants to receive it from you and he wants everybody around you to see what it looks like now why would he want that because he wants everybody to know him. He wants everybody to, to, to worship him, guys. That's what God is about. God wants everybody on this planet right now that's breathing to worship him. And it is the responsibility of a believer to honor him personally, corporately, so that that happens. But if we never bring it up from the inside to the outside, if it never goes from the inside to the visual, then friends, we've got a problem. I would go as far as to say to you, it's not worship. Because if worship is defined as love expressed God's way, then it needs to be expressed. Amen, pastor. Because some of you are like, I'm not sure about that. Because, pastor, you don't know my personality. I do know your personality. I know lots of personalities. But what I'm saying to you is it doesn't matter. Well, Pastor, that's harsh. I mean, I've taken a personality profile 
And it tells me I don't have to worship. I can just sit here and never express myself whatsoever because that's who I am. That is not what the scripture says. Now, you don't have to get all radical like I do. You don't have to be a crazy person flailing your arms around like I do. But you still have to express yourself. So the idea of coming into worship and doing this and never saying a word, never singing, never having anything come out of your mouth, never, 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 right? See the problem? Now, I know that this is hard. Are you guys okay? I know this is hard. People always tell me they need deep teaching. Because if we, if we want worship the way God defines it, then it's expressed. Sorry. That's what the Bible would say. And again, I'm not saying you have to be like me. You can be you. But it has to go from the inside to the outside for it to be expression. It has to go from the inside to the visual for it to be expression. This is important that we get this because that's how God defines it. So here's what I want us to see. This is so important that we get this is that God's heart is for it to move from the internal to the visible. The internal to the visible. Now, I want to share with you a Greek word, right? This is a fancy Greek word, but the word is proskuneo, right? Everybody say proskuneo. Wow, you guys are good. You're like Greek scholars around here. Now, why would I be sharing a Greek word with you? Well, the Bible, uh, the New Testament in particular, is written in Greek. And so one of the words, listen, one of the words that's used in the Bible for worship is this word. What I love about Greek, though, is Greek is so much more precise than English. Like, English has these words that you're like, what does that mean? Like, love, for example, or grace. Like, do you mean, like, saying it before dinner? Or do you mean, like, Jesus? You have to have the context to understand the word. Make sense? Well, in Greek, it's very precise. And so this particular word has three different meanings. The three different meanings, in order to understand what's going on, is you have to have the context. And the endings and all this kind of stuff help you understand. But it's very precise. And this particular word has three different meanings. Three different meanings that I want to share with you today. And this is the word proskuneo. Okay, listen to this. It literally means to adore. To adore. Now, here's the other one it means. And this is, this is where people get a little uncomfortable. Okay? Or to kiss hands towards someone. Now, what does that mean? To blow a kiss, right? Right? You guys uncomfortable? Like, like yeah, mwah, right? All the men in the room, mwah. yeah, right, yeah. None of the men were like, no, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. I don't express myself that way. No. But do you see how intimate that is? There's, I mean, there's intimacy there. It's, it's unique. It's different. It's in the Bible. And so we're called to adore him. We're called to blow a kiss towards our God. And I'll just be honest with you. That makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't, like, I'm like, that's weird. I don't want to blow kisses to God. But again, he gets to define the culture. Even if I'm uncomfortable with it. And then the third meaning for this word, is the word <laughs> to prostrate oneself. So to lay down. Guys, I'll let you in on a little secret. In last service, I kind of messed this up. <laughs> I said prostate. <laughs> and everybody in the room was like, <laughs> they were expressing themselves all the time. About my mess up. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> Prostrate. To lay down before the Lord. He's God, I'm not. So th these are the images of worship that we get just in that one little word. 
And so just for a moment, I, I want to walk through two things that I think we get from that. The first is adoration. Adoration. And, and what that means is loving God deeply and respectfully. See, God, God wants us to worship Him. God wants us to adore Him. See, worship must include adoration, and adoration is always physically expressed. Because if I adore something, if I adore someone, can you imagine if I, if I said, baby, that's my wife, guys, baby, I adore you, right? Did you hear my voice? It was like very deep. <laughs> I adore you. Yeah, she would be like, oh, mm, that, mm. some of you are so uncomfortable right now. But if I just said, I adore you, you're great. See what I'm getting at? It, it wouldn't have the same meaning. It, and, and truthfully, I don't want my wife to feel that way. I want her to know how much I love her. I want, her, I want to express that to her physically so that she knows. Listen to this in Psalm 35, or I mean Psalm 95. Listen to this. And this is in, in verses 1 through 2. Watch this. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms and praise to him. Woo! Did you see all of the words that we're expressing? It was, it was the singing. It was the shouting. It was this joy that was being expressed to the Lord. But I also want you to notice something. Did you notice the plural use there? The us let us sing, let us shout, let us come, let us sing. You see it? See, that, that word is plural for a reason. And I just want to speak to a heresy that I see in the church. And that's this idea that I can do it by myself. Yes, you need Jesus. Yes, you will be saved based on your decision of accepting who he is. Yes, that is personal, that is real. And at the same time, you need personal worship where you, through the six days of the week, you're worshiping God and on your own and all of that. But then when we come together as the gathered church, this is what this is talking about, that the us matters. That when we gather, it's not just about what I'm doing individually. It's that I'm, collect, I'm coming together collectively with the body of Christ and doing this as a group so that I can connect with the Father in a unique way that isn't just me doing it by myself. So important we understand this. Is, is there any other reason that Psalms would say us? No. That it's something we do together as we worship our King, as we express our love to Him. See, our body is designed by God as musical instruments. I don't know if you knew that, but from the very beginning of time, you were born into this world as a musical instrument that God intended for you to adore Him with worship. Did you know that your hands can clap? Some of you did it earlier. You were clapping. Clap, clap, clap. Some of you snop, stomp. Now, you may not have. Maybe you grew up in a culture that did a lot of stomping. But did you know, like, clapping and stomping, those are percussive action? It's, it, it's like a drum. God has created us to communicate to him. Have you ever been in a worship service where they didn't have any instruments, and they did just stomping and clapping, and it was so cool? Like everybody's on, like it's just like they just had it, like it was some kind of beat in the room, and it was done just by the, the stomping and the clapping, and it was all percussive, and it was just like really cool. Like I, I don't know if you've ever been that. It reminds me of like when I was growing up, and you remember you have pep rallies, and the band would come through the hallways during the pep rally. I don't know if they do this or allow it anymore, but the band would come through, and they'd have their drums, and they'd be like, bah, 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 bah. and it's like, yeah, yeah, pep rally, we're going to kick some football but get you all stoked and excited see we were designed to clap we were designed to stomp to to express ourselves to god how about this our vocal cords work as string and wind instruments like have you ever thought about your vocal cords 
like a violin. Have you ever thought about that? And that when you give air to it, it vibrates and it creates a sound, right? Some of us have more beautiful sounds than others, right? Now ah. nah, I can sing better than that. Thank you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna, I don't want to impress you. I don't want to impress you. It's a, it's a wind instrument. It's a stringed instrument. Now, here, here's an interesting thought. Have you ever heard of this book called The Five Love Languages? Have you ever heard of this book by, I think it's Gary Chapman, right? For some of you that are married or some of you that are longing to be married or in a different, or a good relationship with someone, you may have been given this book and you may have read it. And basically what the book says is that everybody has different love languages, right? And so there, there are five love languages and, and the goal is to identify yours and at the same time identify this partner, their language, and love each other the way that they receive love, okay? So in other words, if you're a quality time person. Well, and let's say I'm a gifts of service or a, a, a service person, okay? Well, I may receive love that way, but that person may not receive it that way. So my job is to figure out what they do or what they need, and then I do it that way. Does that make sense? So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty straightforward book. But can you imagine, like, if we applied this to God? Like, what are God's love languages? Because that's what worship is, right? It's love expressed. It's, it's, it's expressing ourselves to the Lord. And so what if we did that? What if we looked at just God's love languages? You know, what, what, what would that look like? So the five love languages are this. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So these are the five love languages. Well, if you go through that list, it's clear that the Bible has addressed these things. So, for example, like words of affirmation, what is that? Praise. It's adoration. It's, it's, it's praise. See, God desires praise. He wants us to express that to him. Not how you receive it, but how he receives it. And so he wants us to praise him. How about this? Quality time. Quality time. That's why your preacher's always up here going, read your Bible, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray. <laughs> Because God wants time with you. It's so quiet time, prayer, reading the Bible, private times of worship, quality time, spending with God because he's worth it. Receiving gifts, heard of this? This is the thing that people get so mad at preachers about? Tithing, you know? Tithing, sacrificial offerings the Bible talks about. Don't get mad at me. That's what God wants. That's how we express our love to him. And so that's a part of the story. How about this? Acts of service. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, if you think about it, right? I mean, think about it. He wants us to serve. He wants us to serve in our church. He wants us to serve other people. Why? Because then we're no longer on the throne. He's on the throne, and we're loving the people the way he wants us to, he wants us to love. And then finally, physical touch, which for some of us, this is a little weird, because you're like, well, how does that work? Well, here, here, here's my thought. When you demonstrate to God physically, God does the same thing. He actually touches our lives. I would even go as far as to say, if you've ever experienced a miracle or a healing, he is interacting with us physically. God wants to be near us. Now, I know that this gets to a place of faith and it's hard to even understand and it's like, how does that happen? I don't fully know. But what I do know is the Bible on a regular basis tells us that somehow when worship happens, heaven meets earth and there is some kind of interaction that can occur that I don't fully understand by faith and that it can be an experience that feels just as real as me having a conversation with my wife. Now that's, that's crazy to think about, isn't it? But last time I checked, we're not just a scientific bunch that's just looking for empirical data. We're a faith people. We believe that God moves in faith. The Bible says that, that only faith pleases God. And so if we're faith people, then we have to understand there's something going on around us that's spiritual that we don't fully understand, and God wants to intersect that. But, guess what? 
God's most important and loved language is obedience. He likes all this other stuff. He thinks it's great. Matter of fact, he came up with it. But what he loves most is obedience. Now, when I say that, you're like, yeah, yeah, move on. Right? It's just obedience. Yeah, got it. Need to obey. But see, it's more than that. Because I think sometimes we give lip service to obedience, but we actually don't live it out. You know what I'm talking about? Like where you affirm the statement. Like, yeah, we need obedience. But it's one thing to affirm something. It's another thing to do it. And so what happens is we affirm it, but we don't always do it. See, 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 listen to what the Bible says in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? Did you notice the if-then statement there? If you love me, then keep my commandments. So the, the inference of that is if you don't keep his commandments, go back to the first. Does that make sense? If you don't keep my commandments, then... Your love for me is suspect. Because the Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I've told you to do. If you love me, you'll be obedient to what I've called you. If you love me, you will love me the way that I want to be loved. Do you see? See, that's it. You guys are quiet. And I know you're probably just processing. But this is massive for us to understand. Because if we get the obedience thing wrong, then we miss the whole thing. So we adore him. But the other thing that we do is we bow. We bow. We bow. Now, this is not a popular thing. Listen to this. In Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us, notice the plural, let us, let us, Worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, let me ask you this. When was the last time you did this? In worship. Now, I know that you're like, well, that's not my personality. I get it. But guys, this posture is how I advance in my life. This posture is how I receive everything that God wants to give me. And what I've discovered in my life and in my travels is that in our culture, this is a hard one. This is a really hard one for Americans in particular. That's not a political statement. It's a spiritual statement. And you need to hear me. Because this posture is how God wants us to live our life. He's Lord, I'm not. He defines worship, I don't. He's in charge, I'm not. Do you see what I'm getting at? And this is not an easy posture for us. It's not an easy posture for me. But friends, this is what God is interested in. Now, let me ask you this. Is God interested in this because he just wants you to do it because of some religious duty? Right? Like, this is the rule. Now do it. No. God is not interested in you living in some kind of religious environment that you only do things for God because he tells you you have to. Think about that. If you were in a relationship with someone and they were like, this is what I want. And, and you're like, okay. And you do it. But your heart's not in it. Is that what the person wants? No! They want you to do it because you want to. Do you see what I'm getting at? See, see, it's about a relationship. It's about the fact that God says it and we say, God, because of everything you've done for me, because you gave your life for me, because you created a bridge between heaven and earth through Jesus, that somehow I'm willing to give you everything, give you my life, give you my heart, everything. 
I'm willing to spend time with you because I want to, not because I have to. I'm willing to do these things. I'm willing to be obedient, not because I have to, but because I want to. Are you starting to understand what I'm saying? Listen to these words from Zach Neese. He says, there is no word for worship in the Bible that means, listen to this, to sit, stand, clap, raise your hands, slouch, loaf, or periwet. And he says, why? He says, because at its most elemental level, worship is not standing, sitting, jumping, or kneeling. All those postures, listen, all those postures communicate something about, listen, the posture of our hearts towards God. Do you see what he's getting at? Is that the posture of my heart ultimately determines how I express it. I won't have a problem shouting for the Lord simply because my heart is postured before the Lord in a way that's submissive. Listen to this. He says, but all of those expressions are not worship in their purest form. He says, worship is encapsulated by bowing because worship is total submission of our entire being before God. Whoo! That is all inclusive. Remember that? Love me all, 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 all. See what I'm getting at? See, God is interested in a total submission of our will, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love Him. See, we got to love God the way that He desires to be loved. And what happens is that our love will then intersect, listen to this, it will intersect lordship. See, see, this is important. Worship is the intersection of love and lordship. Love and lordship. See, God wants us to understand that when we express our love to him, it's not because we have to, it's because we get to, because we want to, because he's Lord and we're surrendered to that. So isn't that beautiful when you think about love and lordship intersecting and how that then leads to our expression? And you're like, well, what, why does that matter? Well, it matters, friends. And you gotta hear me here, and this is a big deal. If we don't get this right, what happens is that worship becomes like a fix, like a drug, like something that we get every week and we walk out of church and then it eventually wears off and it's no longer available to us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, do you know what I'm talking about? Like where sometimes we come to worship and we get our fix and then we leave and it wears out by the next Sunday. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, let's be honest together. And so, so here's what I, got, I want you to see. Richard Foster said this, and this is so important, because if we don't get this right, we will literally try to get our fix every week to help us deal with the difficulties of life. And God has a deeper way of life for you. And this is where Christians sometimes miss it, is that we think pastor wants me to come to worship because uh, I, I <laughs> pastor wants me to come to worship to get my fix. Right? It's just a spiritual thing. It's like, I got to get the spiritual juice, right? I'm in. No, 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 no. Watch this. Richard Foster says it this way, and I love the way he says it. He says, as worship begins in a holy expectation, listen to this, it ends, it ends in holy obedience. So in other words, when I come into worship, I'm expectant to what God is going to do. I'm excited. I, I, I can't wait to see what God does. There's an expectation that's very holy. But if I don't move that expectation, okay, if I don't move that expectation to obedience, what happens is I just have a holy expectation and an experience and a fun time with Jesus, but it never goes from here to there, and it doesn't lead to having the kind of worship life that God wants us to have. This is important. He goes on to say this. He said, holy obedience saves worship from becoming an opiate, an escape from the pressing needs of modern life. Think about this for a second. What he's saying is it's like, you know how like sometimes you want to escape? Anybody? You ever just feel like you want to escape? I think sometimes we use vacation as escape. 
don't we? But it's like, I gotta go, oh, I gotta go on vacation. Any of you ever said that? I gotta get on vacation. And yes, and we use it as an escape. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, but it's different than worship. See, it's different. It's not intended to be an opiate. It's not intended to be a drug. It's intended to be holy expectation of an encounter where I'm expressing myself to God that then leads to an obedience that's out there in the world. And you know what happens when you're obedient to God? You're with him all the time. You're constantly doing what he's asked you to do. And you remain in fellowship with God. Whew. Guys, I hope you're getting this. I really do. Because God wants to help us here to move us beyond what we see worship as into something that's more beautiful, more lasting. Wouldn't you like to have it last longer? Of course you would. Of course you would. So I'll end with this. I don't know if you've ever heard of the king, Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul wasn't a great king. He, he made some bad choices, okay? Some people have called him Psycho Saul, which I, I think, wow, what a way to go. You know, that's what you're remembered as. But Saul, Saul was full of pride. He was full of what he wanted to do. He knew better. Not just that, he was afraid of the people. And as a leader, if you're afraid of the people, you got a problem. You're not going to be a great leader. And so he had trouble. And so he did something really dumb that God told him not to. Samuel shows up, the prophet of God, and he says to Saul, hey, we've got to talk because God told you to do something and you didn't do it. And this is what he says to him. Listen to this. Now, before I read it, think in the back of your mind how many times in the Bible God has told Israel to sacrifice some kind of animal, right? Just think about that for a second. There is a lot of sacrifice going on in the Bible. Think about that. Just put that in the back of your mind. Now listen to this. This is what Samuel says to Saul. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedient to his voice? Like, your obedience to his voice. What's more important? And he goes on to say this. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of a ram. So, so the prophet is saying to the king, you know all those sacrifices that God told you to do? He's not saying don't necessarily do them. But he is saying that if you're doing them and your heart's not right and you're not in it, then you got a problem. Because, see, God is interested in, first and foremost, our obedience. And he says, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than an offering of fat. And then he says this, and I don't know about you guys, but I do not like this verse. Listen to what he says. He says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Ooh. I mean, some of us in our life, we're so conservative on things that, that we will go off on Harry Potter. But we will be disobedient to God in the things that he's told us to do. Think about that. I don't like the idea that I'm born with rebellion in my heart. But if I don't get this right, the Bible says that I would function in some kind of aberration, some spiritual aberration that isn't of God. That concerns me. And it should concern all of us. And then he says this, and I, I really don't like this. He says, stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Uh-oh! Can we line up the mic today? Someone this week told me, that I was stubborn, rude. And you know what I said? You need to repent of your sin for saying that to me. <laughs> I probably can be a little stubborn. I'm sure none of you can. But I really don't like the idea that my stubbornness can be as bad as worshiping an idol. 
So you see what I'm getting at? That God is interested in our obedience because he wants us to be free. Free from ourselves, free from our flesh, free from the rebellion that's built into us. Because if we don't, guys, we will worship something. And that something or that someone will not be God. And that's why God has defined it this way. And so as I end, two thoughts. As a church, we need more obedience in our lives to the things that God has called us to do. Just go down the list. What are the things that God has already told you to do that you're not doing? Just start with the first one. Just start with the first one. Because at the end of the day, we all have things we need to work on. But what's your next step of faith into an area of obedience? And then finally, the last one is that we all need more lingering in our lives. And what does that mean? We need more lingering. Listen to this in Exodus. Exodus 33, Moses had such a special relationship with God. This is how it's described. It says, inside the tent of meetings, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Wow. He would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Bible says that after Moses would return to the camp, listen to this, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meetings. Oh, I love that. That word remain is like linger, that he would linger in the presence of the Lord. Why is that important? You know, Joshua did all the right things. He did what God told him to do. But I think God was really interested in Joshua's heart. Like, I, I really do. I think if, if, if Joshua, I, I wonder if Joshua wouldn't have lingered, would God have entrusted him with the leadership of Israel? This is a foreshadowing of the leader to become. Because see, Moses eventually screws it up and he doesn't end up going into the land because he made a bad choice. And God selects Joshua. And I think he picked him because he lingered. Because he was obedient. And so often in our lives, we want God to pick us. We want God to instruct us to do something great for his kingdom. And he says, look, I, I want to do great things through you, but you better get down on your knees. And the thing that I've heard the Lord say to me over the last few weeks is that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's what the Bible says. And either I learn to bow on my own or he will help you bow. That may be a warning, but it also may be an encouragement to you. Because God is interested in helping you become all that he wants you to be. God's really good at helping us with that. And he does it because he loves us, not because he wants to hurt us. So we need more obedience and we need more lingering. And when we find that, I believe that the worship that comes out of our lives will be beautiful in the sight of God. I'll end with this quote. If the cross proves how much we are worth to God, our worship proves how much God is worth to us. And so may we love him the way he wants to be loved. May we express our love for him in the way that he's defined. May we come into worship with a holy expectation and may we leave here with a holy obedience to do all that he's called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together, guys. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how it challenges us, and it shapes us, and it makes us better. Lord, I pray right now, if there's anywhere in my heart right now that isn't open and receptive to your word, would you show it to me? God, is there any, is there any stubbornness in me is there any pride or rebellion in me that isn't beautiful and honoring of you? Search our hearts right now, Lord. 
If it's your desire to be right with God in this area, just say to him, Lord, will you search my heart? Lord, anything that isn't of you, anything that isn't honoring of you, any form of disobedience or rebellion, Jesus, I just want to offer it to you, God, and ask for your forgiveness. You'd help me help this church help us to be humble and moldable help us to be teachable Jesus you know the Bible says that if we would place our faith and trust in Jesus that he would intersect our life and become our savior and our Lord but in order to do that we have to recognize our need to be saved we have to recognize our need to have a Lord that's not ourselves and so the Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth by faith and believe in our heart by faith that God will come in and he will meet us right here in this moment and save us and deliver us and help us. And I don't know if that's your story. I don't know where you've come from or where you've been, but I do know this, that regardless of where you've been or what you've done, If you just for a moment could look upon the cross of Jesus Christ again and see him in his fullness and receive the love and the grace and the mercy that's on that cross for you, friend, why would you not reach for it? And so God, I, I just wanna pray for anybody in this room that would say that they have not done that, that they've not said yes to this amazing relationship that you offer. I just want to pray for you. And so, church, let's pray this prayer together. So anybody here, if this is you, if you need to take this step of faith, I, I want to lead you in a prayer. And so, guys, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be savior of my life? I surrender myself to you. I bow my knee to your lordship. Will you be king of my heart? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you fill me with your spirit? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, I just want to say something. If, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it like it was your heart I'd love for you to just on those connect cards that you see if you wouldn't mind indicating that now look this is not about us keeping numbers this is a, about a very real spiritual reality that as you come into that relationship the enemy is going to work overtime to keep you from believing that what just happened was not real. And so as a church, we want to come alongside you to help you with that. And so we would love for you to indicate that on the card. And if you want to be really bold, take that card and bring it to one of the people to my right or to my left that are praying for people today. During this last song, if you wouldn't mind, take that over there and they're going to pray for you and they're going to help you take that next step. Get some people around you because you need it. If you're unwilling to do that, I want to encourage you to take that Connect card and at least place it in the kiosks as you leave. 
so that we can reach out to you and contact you and help you get started. Because come on, we all need help. You might need a Bible. We've got those. Whatever it is, we want to help you. All right? And so go ahead and take that opportunity. I'd invite you to stand. I just want to pray for us as we continue and worship as we end with this song. God, I invite you to speak any remaining truth to us that you want to speak. Put an exclamation point or a period on something, Jesus. That's what we need. God, we invite you into our hearts. We want to honor you. We want to express our love to you because you're worthy of that. And so, God, we lift you high. We give you glory. We give you adoration and praise. God, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for loving us when we're not very lovable. Thank you for being the breakthrough when we're breaking down, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. Thank you for the, the love of your son on a cross for each one of us. God, thank you. We love you. We adore you. We give you honor and we give you praise because you're worthy of it in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's just begin to sing and worship our King.